0: chapter 5 of bunner sisters this librivox recording is in the public domain during the months that followed mr ramy visited the sisters with increasing frequency it became his habit to call on them every sunday evening and occasionally during the week he would find an excuse for dropping in unannounced as they were settling down to their work beside the lamp ann noticed that evelina now took the precaution of putting on her crimson bow every evening before supper and that she had refurbished with a bit of carefully washed lace the black silk which they still called new because it had been bought a year after ann mr ramy as he grew more intimate became less conversational and after the sisters had blushingly accorded him the privilege of a pipe he began to permit himself long stretches of meditative silence that were not without charm to his hostesses There was something at once fortifying and pacific in the sense of that tranquil male presence in an atmosphere which had so long quivered with little feminine doubts and distresses, and the sisters fell into the habit of saying to each other, in moments of uncertainty, We'll ask Mr. Ramy when he comes, and of accepting his verdict, whatever it might be, with a fatalistic readiness that relieved them of all responsibility.' When Mr. Ramy drew the pipe from his mouth and became, in his turn, confidential, the acuteness of their sympathy grew almost painful to the sisters. With passionate participation they listened to the story of his early struggles in Germany and of the long illness which had been the cause of his recent misfortunes. The name of the Mrs. Hochmuller, an old comrade's widow, who had nursed him through his fever, was greeted with reverential sighs and an inward pang of envy whenever it recurred in his biographical monologues. And once, when the sisters were alone, Evelina called a responsive flush to Annalise's brow by saying suddenly, without the mention of any name, I wonder what she's like. One day towards spring, Mr Ramy, who had by this time become as much a part of their lives as the letter carrier or the milkman, ventured the suggestion that the ladies should accompany him to an exhibition of stereopticon views which was to take place at Chickering Hall on the following evening. After their first breathless, Oh! of pleasure, there was a silence of mutual consultation, which Annaliza at last broke by saying, "'You better go with Mr. Ramy, Evelina. I guess we don't both want to leave the store at night.' Evelina, with such protests as politeness demanded, acquiesced in this opinion, and spent the next day in trimming a white chip bonnet with forget-me-nots of her own making.' Ann Eliza brought out her mosaic brooch, a cashmere scarf of their mother's was taken from its linen cerements, and thus adorned Evelina blushingly departed with Mr. Ramy, while the elder sister sat down in her place at the pinking machine. It seemed to Ann Eliza that she was alone for hours, and she was surprised when she heard Evelina tap on the door to find that the clock marked only half-past ten. "'It must have gone wrong again,' she reflected as she rose to let her sister in. "'The evening had been brilliantly interesting, "'and several striking stereopticon views of Berlin "'had afforded Mr. Ramy the opportunity of enlarging on the marvels of his native city. "'He said he'd love to show it all to me,' Evelina declared as Anna Eliza conned her glowing face. "'Did you ever hear anything so silly? I didn't know which way to look.' Anna Eliza received this confidence with a sympathetic murmur. "'My bonnet is becoming, isn't it?' Evelina went on irrelevantly, smiling at her reflection in the cracked glass above the chest of drawers. "'You're just lovely,' said Anna Eliza. "'Spring was making itself unmistakably known to the distrustful New Yorker "'by an increased harshness of wind and prevalence of dust "'when one day Evelina entered the back room at supper-time "'with a cluster of jonquils in her hand. "'I was just that foolish,' she answered, Annalisa's wondering glance. "'I couldn't help buying them. "'I felt as if I must have something pretty to look at right away.' oh sister said ann eliza in trembling sympathy she felt that special indulgence must be conceded to those in evelina's state since she had had her own fleeting vision of such mysterious longings as the words betrayed "'Evelina, meanwhile, had taken the bundle of dried grasses out of the broken china vase "'and was putting the jonquils in their place with touches that lingered down their smooth stems and blade-like leaves. "'Ain't they pretty?' she kept repeating as she gathered the flowers into a starry circle. "'Seems as if spring was really here, don't it?' "'Ann Eliza remembered that it was Mr. Ramy's evening.' "'When he came, the Teutonic eye for anything that blooms "'made him turn at once to the jonquils. "'Ain't day pretty,' he said. "'Seems like as if de spring was really here.' "'Don't it?' Evelina exclaimed, thrilled by the coincidence of their thought. "'It's just what I was saying to my sister.' Eliza got up suddenly and moved away. "'She remembered that she had not wound the clock the day before.' "'Evelina was sitting at the table. "'The jonquils rose slenderly between herself and Mr. Ramy. "'Oh,' she murmured with vague eyes, "'how I'd love to get away somewheres into the country this very minute, "'somewheres where it was green and quiet. "'Seems as if I couldn't stand the city another day.' "'But Anna Eliza noticed that she was looking at Mr. Ramy "'and not at the flowers.' I guess we might go to Central Park some Sunday, their visitor suggested. Do you ever go there, Miss Evelina? No, we don't go very often, leastways we ain't been for a good while, she sparkled at the prospect. It would be lovely, wouldn't it, Aunt Eliza? Why, yes, said the elder sister, coming back to her seat well why don't we go next sunday mr ramy continued and we'll invite miss Mellons too that'll make a gozy little party that night when evelina undressed she took a jonquil from the vase and pressed it with a certain ostentation between the leaves of her prayer-book Anne Eliza, covertly observing her, felt that Evelina was not sorry to be observed, and that her own acute consciousness of the act was somehow regarded as magnifying its significance. The following Sunday broke blue and warm. The Bunner sisters were habitual churchgoers, but for once they left their prayer-books on the what-not, and ten o'clock found them, gloved and bonneted, awaiting Miss Mellins's knock. Miss Mellins presently appeared in a glitter of jet sequins and spangles, with a tale of having seen a strange man prowling under her windows, till he was called off at dawn by a confederate's whistle, and shortly afterward came Mr. Ramy, his hair brushed with more than usual care, his broad hands encased in gloves of olive-green kid. The little party set out for the nearest street-car, and a flutter of mingled gratification and embarrassment stirred Annalisa's bosom, when it was found that Mr. Ramy intended to pay their fares. Nor did he fail to live up to this opening liberality, for after guiding them through the mall and the ramble, he led the way to a rustic restaurant, where, also at his expense, they fared idyllically on milk and lemon pie." After this they resumed their walk, strolling on with a slowness of unaccustomed holiday-makers from one path to another, through budding shrubberies, past grass-banks sprinkled with lilac crocuses, and under rocks on which the forsythia lay like sudden sunshine. Everything about her seemed new and miraculously lovely to Anna Eliza— but she kept her feelings to herself leaving it to evelina to exclaim at the hepaticas under the shady ledges and to miss Mellons, less interested in the vegetable than in the human world to remark significantly on the probable history of the persons they met all the alleys were thronged with promenaders and obstructed by perambulators and miss Mellins's running commentary threw a glare of lurid possibilities over the placid family groups and their romping progeny ann eliza was in no mood for such interpretations of life but, knowing that Miss Mellons had been invited for the sole purpose of keeping her company, she continued to cling to the dressmaker's side, letting Mr. Ramy lead the way with Evelina. Miss Mellons, stimulated by the excitement of the occasion, grew more and more discursive, and her ceaseless talk and the kaleidoscopic whirl of the crowd were unspeakably bewildering to Anna Her feet, accustomed to the slippered ease of the shop, ached with the unfamiliar effort of walking, and her ears with the din of the dressmaker's anecdotes, but every nerve in her was aware of Evelina's enjoyment, and she was determined that no weariness of hers should curtail it. Yet even her heroism shrank from the significant glances which Miss Mellons presently began to cast at the couple in front of them annalisa could bear to connive at Evelina's bliss, but not to acknowledge it to others. At length Evelina's feet also failed her, and she turned to suggest that they ought to be going home. Her flushed face had grown pale with fatigue, but her eyes were radiant. The return lived in Annaliza's memory with the persistence of an evil dream The horse-cars were packed with the returning throng, and they had to let a dozen go by before they could push their way into one that was already crowded. Annaliza had never before felt so tired. Even Miss Mellon's flow of narrative ran dry, and they sat silent, wedged between a negro woman and a pock-marked man with a bandaged head, while the car rumbled slowly down a squalid avenue to their corner. Evelina and Mr. Ramy sat together in the forward part of the car, and Ann Eliza could catch only an occasional glimpse of the forget-me-not bonnet and the clockmaker's shiny coat-collar. But when the little party got out at their corner, the crowd swept them together again, and they walked back in the effortless silence of tired children to the Bunner sisters' basement. As Miss Mellons and Mr. Ramy turned to go their various ways— Evelina mustered a last display of smiles, but Annalisa crossed the threshold in silence, feeling the stillness of the little shop reach out to her like consoling arms. That night she could not sleep, but as she lay cold and rigid at her sister's side, she suddenly felt the pressure of Evelina's arms and heard her whisper, "'Oh, Annalisa, weren't it heavenly?' End of chapter 5